Welcome to We Are Meaningful, a podcast where we transform the anonymous experiences of black and brown talent into powerful audio narratives. Each month, we center the dialogue around a common theme, providing you, our listeners, with the tools and resources you need to help navigate, grow, and thrive in corporate spaces. Our stories, experiences, and our voices are meaningful. We are meaningful. Hi, everyone. This is Crystal. And this is Krista. And today we're joined by our friend Eva Rodriguez. Eva has over 15 years of progressive HR experience, and she's currently the vice president of people and culture for a DC-based startup company. And this is a new move. So congratulations, girl. Eva took a two-year hiatus from working in a corporate setting to focus on her mental health and physical health, as well as her well-being, and during that time became a certified integrative nutrition health coach with specialized training in emotional eating psychology and mindfulness. I think I might need that emotional eating. I need to learn more about that. I know plenty about emotional eating. I'm good over here. I'm an expert. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm probably <laughs> emotional eating all the time. So we need to talk. Uh, she's also the host of the Healthy, Sexy, Strong podcast, which is centered around all things holistic health and personal development and is a proud single mom of a nine-year-old son. He is cute, cute. <laughs> Welcome Thank to you. the show, I'm so Eva. to be here. So Eva, you have actually partnered with us a couple of times during Bring Your Own Snacks, and you have led some incredible sessions about self-care for women of color. And today, we have you on to talk about our new narrative, The Extraness. And before we get into the conversation, we'd like to go ahead and roll the narrative. So let's roll it. Children growing, women producing, men go working, some do stealing. Everyone's got to make a living. I've been known to stand out from the crowd for as long as I can remember. I'm a short, curvy, brown Latina with thick, curly hair and a fierce, resting bitch face, who for over a decade tried to fit in a corporate America, oblivious to all of the stakes that were against me until a few years ago. I've had my previous managers describe me as intimidating, unapproachable, aggressive, dramatic, prickly, spicy, and spunky, just to name a few. I had a boss who clearly had never interacted with a person that looks like me or comes from my background. She thought we'd find common ground by talking to me about her Peruvian nanny and asking me who Felicia is. As in, by Felicia, She made a comment about how I walked around the office, giving off an arrogant vibe like I own the place. Interesante. Why does my confidence have to equal arrogance? Should I walk with my head down and shoulders slumped? Would that have made her feel less intimidated? I once asked my colleague if she noticed that I was treated differently by our boss. Of course she'd noticed. Everyone noticed. She said, it seems you make her uncomfortable, but I don't know why. I was just being myself. I wasn't mean, unprofessional, irresponsible, inarticulate, rude, condescending, inappropriate. I was just myself. 
who else was I supposed to be? But apparently, I am just too much. In an effort to be less intimidating, I tried to be less extra. I'd stay quiet in meetings and speak last so people wouldn't think I was being too aggressive or too passionate. I'd keep my hair in a low bun, wear flats and oversized cardigans to attract less attention. I even practiced walking around with a smile plastered on my face, even though it felt ridiculous and inauthentic. At this point, I was about to break because for the life of me, I couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. Why am I so polarizing? Am I really so difficult to get along with? Am I really hard to manage? Am I supposed to dim my light because it shines too brightly in their eyes? Am I supposed to mute myself and become a milder, blander version to acquiesce to their standards? Am I too much? Unfortunately, having a big personality and being a woman of color is considered a double negative, especially in the corporate world. I battled with this existential dilemma for a while, but through introspection realized I'm not the problem. They are. So Eva, after hearing the narrative, what were your initial thoughts and reactions? Yeah, so I was definitely triggered when I heard it again. Um, so even though this is actually my story and I wrote the initial draft a few months ago, there was something just really powerful about hearing my story narrated that triggered this visceral reaction for me and took me back to that place where I was a few years ago, where I was feeling a lot of pain, embarrassment, confusion. But I also felt a sense of vindication because... I finally get a chance to share this story in a way that can hopefully bring light to these issues that I faced and also hopefully help someone who's been in a similar situation as me being judged and misunderstood just for simply showing up as their authentic self, right? And lastly, it felt like such a full circle moment for me because most of the narrative is focused on my experience at one particular company. And this is actually where I met Krista. So she had applied to be an intern and I still remember interviewing her. I remember like it was yesterday and saying we're hiring her as soon as she left because I saw something so special in her. And it's at this job that we became friends. And she was there when things were falling apart for me, even though she didn't know how bad things really were for me behind the scenes. So the fact that three years later, she's narrating my experience at this organization on this podcast that highlights these kinds of issues for women of color in the workplace, it's just a beautifully karmic full circle moment. Ooh, I love... Don't make me cry. (laughs) I love how the two of you were safe spaces for one another. And I really appreciate you being so transparent and so vulnerable to share your story with us and giving us the opportunity to um, pull it into this narrative that we're presenting the extraness and giving Krista the opportunity to to narrate your experience. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, especially because... Eva was actually the first brown woman that I ever saw in corporate America. And she was the first one that I had ever connected with. I remember I wasn't sure if we would like each other (laughs) because typically in other spaces, 
uh, the vibe tended to be competitive Mm -hmm. when I was working with other women. And I really wasn't sure if we would end up like clicking or vibing or whatever it was, but she immediately had like this wing Mm -hmm. that she cast over Mm -hmm. me. And she was so protective of like me and my energy and my role. And it was so weird for me (laughs) how how close we got because it wasn't something I had ever experienced. In fact, at my other companies, I had experienced what what could be called like fake friendships Mm -hmm. where like people would get close to me and I would confide in them and then they would share that information um, like derogatorily against me and my role. Mm -hmm. So Eva was actually kind of like my unicorn when I met her and it was so crazy to me watching everything unfolded that she talks about in this narrative because I was in that moment and I remember thinking how wrong it was when I was seeing all of it happen. So I was seeing what was happening to her, but I was also a part of the crowds and hearing their interpretation of what was happening too. so much gaslighting, so much of it, like being like, oh, she just misunderstood. This was taken out of context. Ooh, girl, that is the one thing that we continuously hear is mm-hmm. you misunderstood me. Mm-hmm. I didn't mean it like right. that. You took that out of context. Well, we can't always be wrong. Mm-hmm. Not all of us. Mm-hmm. Right. And it was so refreshing to actually, and I'm sure you can admit this too, Crystal. It's so refreshing when you have another authentic energy that works with you, right? Someone who just shows up and they're just themselves and they're super chill. They're not intimidated by the things that they wear or the things that other people wear. They're not intimidated by the things that don't matter, Mm -hmm. rather. They're just focused on their work and being themselves. And Eva was really that. Yeah. And it was the first time I had ever had somebody set an example for me. And unfortunately, she was punished for it. Krista, you mentioned something when you said intimidation. Didn't you send me something Mm -hmm. on Instagram earlier today about intimidation? Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. So earlier um, on my Instagram story, I posted something that that was like, um, I'm not intimidating. You're intimidated. Mm. And I'm not going to make excuses or like cater to the way that other people's the way that other people feel about my presence. Mm -hmm. I'm not doing that anymore. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, Eva was so unapologetic and very much that way. And she was just vibrant and she still is. It's just unfortunate that in fact, the company was intimidated Mm -hmm. by her authenticity and by her honesty. And I think that's kind of where it all started is when she was standing up for things that shouldn't have been happening behind closed doors. So I think it sucks because you go into this place, you're so authentic, you're you're like, oh, everybody's going to accept me for the way that I am, right? That's what the values say on the wall. <laughs> mm-hmm. On the wall. That's what I'm supposed to get. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you're misunderstood and judged for your identity and authentic self, how does that affect your self-worth, Eva? <sighs> For me, it was so painful and so confusing because it's basically being told that you're not good enough. You're you're not acceptable as you are. Mm. And therefore, you need to change or else. 
right? So the definition of self-worth, according to Merriam-Webster, is a feeling that you are a good person who deserves to be treated with respect. So imagine being told that your authentic self is, quote, too much, right? So even though your performance is stellar and your colleagues like you and they respect you and they actually seek friendships with you, but there's still these one or two people who happen to be superior to you, according to an org chart. And then therefore, they have power over you, over your future growth, over your livelihood. And these people are intimidated by you because they think that you have too much fill in the blank, including power. And that's what scares them. So very similar to a bully or to an abuser, they break you down. They clip your wings until you start second guessing yourself and thinking that if you change or if you do less of this and more of that, they'll stop picking on you. And all of this just really weighed heavily on my spirit. I was so conflicted for so long trying to understand, is it me? Is something wrong with me? Like, why am I so polarizing? And I'm just being me, right? I, I've always consistently been Eva this whole time. And Krista can say it. I was me the whole time. I didn't switch it up one day. I didn't walk into the office one day, you know, acting crazy. I was just being myself. And that was too much for them. And then the other thing that really hurt me was this was happening during a time in my life when I was personally running away from grief. So The year prior to that, I had lost my son's father and then my mother within a year of each other. And I hadn't processed that grief or that pain properly at that time. At the time, I just didn't have healthy coping mechanisms. And so what I did was I immersed myself into my work. So here I was giving my all, working 12-hour days, partly to keep my mind occupied, but partly because I was attaching my worth to my work, to my output. And I I know today that this was unhealthy for sure. But unfortunately, it's not uncommon, especially for people who look like us, because many of us have been conditioned that we have to work harder than them, than Mm -hmm. the others. So it's actually really easy to fall into this trap of attaching your self-worth to extrinsic things and external validation. But it's also one of the worst things that we can do for our mental, spiritual and emotional well-being. I, yes, absolutely. And it sucks because I watched all of this happen with Eva and not even a year later, I ended up going through an almost identical situation Mm -hmm. where I had attached my worth to my work. And we talk about this a lot, Crystal, so often as black and brown women, um, it's almost like within our DNA, right? To be so like driven and hardworking, whether it's for the sake of survival or ambition, we always tend to be at the center of our families. So I, I think this idea of attaching self-worth to the work and the outputs that we create and how productive we're being is so true. And I would also say, just in case no one told y'all today, and I don't think I need to remind you, but both of you are incredible. You belong. (laughs) Your worth is not attached to your work. So please don't ever dim your light for someone else who, as we mentioned before, is intimidated Mm -hmm. 
by your presence. It's not you. It's them. We needed we needed a, a crystal back then. Yeah. yeah. But y'all got me now. I'm right here. Yeah. I'm right here. And now we can come to you and be like, hey, this happened. And you'll be like, no, no. <laughs> that is no, totally no. me. I'm like, uh-uh. What nope. we not going to do. <laughs> exactly. What we not going to do is. <laughs> I'm like, go back to them and tell them this. And Chris was like, are you sure? I'm like, yes. And I'm like, do we want to? Is that what we want to do? I'm like, yes. This is exactly what we're going to do. Do you want me to call them for you? <laughs> I'm totally a mama bear. Um, But to that vein about in that vein of actively dimming your light, what site, what are the psychological consequences of us actively doing that and having to accommodate the preferences of those in the majority? Yeah, it absolutely can cause both emotional and psychological trauma. And these are unfortunately things that I didn't realize while I was actually living in it. It came to me in retrospect once I was far removed and able to really see what was happening and how it was affecting me. It's emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritually draining to question yourself all day long, to censor yourself all day long, to have to walk on eggshells around certain people because you can only be yourself with this select group or to acquiesce so that they feel safe around you. And I always say, as if I'm so scary, right? Like as, as if I'm going to punch someone in the face in this boardroom, right? Because that's what spicy Latinas do in telenovelas. Like that's not where we are. <laughs> like I'm not doing any of this, right? But they think they have this idea of like us being these scary, unmanageable people. And so having to be this hyper aware and on alert makes you question everything about yourself. So if you don't have a deep and grounded understanding of you and unconditional love for yourself, it will break you. And that's the saddest part. And that's what happened to me. I was broken. I became jaded. I convinced myself that I wasn't cut out for this despite my experience, despite my results, despite receiving glowing performance reviews just three months before being asked to leave this particular organization. And so I used to ask myself, like, what really happened in such a short period of time? And the answer is nothing, except I was too much. I was too much of a threat and I was becoming too influential and they didn't like it. Oh, come on, somebody. (laughs) Come on, somebody. That is, I I can't even imagine, well, I I can. I can definitely imagine being in a situation like this because I've been in situations like this. But one of the things that that I say a lot is that you can't see the picture when you're in the frame. Mm -hmm. So when you're in the frame, as you mentioned, you can't really name what's going on around you, especially if you're distracted by it all. Mm -hmm. But now that you're out of it, you're like, wait a minute. Yeah. It wasn't me. It was them. They were doing all these different things, which is why I love this platform, our platform, your platform, because you're speaking truth to people who are experiencing some of the same situations and you're able to to catch them while they're in it to help convince them that it's not them, Mm -hmm. that it's the people that they're around, it's their environment, it might be the culture, the organization, whatever it is. But being able to catch them at that point to where maybe they aren't jaded yet. Mm -hmm. And now you can convince them and let them know and influence them to understand that it's not you. And maybe 
there's another opportunity out there for you in a place that's going to appreciate, value, and respect you. Absolutely. Yeah, and this makes me, I'm so sorry. I just thought of a metaphor in my head um, because I, I love what you you said about how they start to notice, right, that you're becoming too influential. Mm-hmm. And Crystal and I have had this conversation before where it's a spectrum, of how either vocal you become about certain things or whatever, but that always plays a role in how influential you're considered too, right? And I remember somebody once said that to me. They were like, Krista, I don't know how you do it. Like, you're like moving like with the snakes in the grass. (laughs) And I just like think of myself as like this cartoon mouse. I'm like, what's up, everybody? (laughs) I'm like, like, let me stay myself in these weeds. I'm like, I'm going to be undercover, influential, having a handshake with the snakes (laughs) and then coming up and hanging out with the birds. I'm like... (laughs) I'm so sorry. And you can feel free to cut all of this out. But that is literally what was going on in my head. I'm totally is not me as a cartoon. It. No, it's in. Me, it made the me cut. as a cartoon mouse in a wig. Um, so I think I think it's fair to say that even sometimes when we know we're amazing at what we do and we can feel ourselves growing more influential and we're starting to see the impact of what we're doing at organizations, Sometimes we try to like dim that a bit, right? Sometimes we try to navigate away from it to avoid that attention because like you said, people don't like it. Majority folk definitely don't like it, especially when they're in roles of power, right? What role does power play in people's perception of us and how can we take that power back? Take it back. (laughs) Unfortunately, this is where I think we really get screwed because it's one thing if the person that has an issue with you is a peer or it's someone that you don't directly work with, right? When it's a person that has power because of their level in the organization or because of who they know with power, they get to control the outcome and manipulate the narrative to their advantage to justify why they're demoting you or they're not giving you a fair salary increase, or they're going to spring a poor performance review on you out of nowhere, right? Without ever giving feedback, Mm -hmm. (laughs) without helping to develop you, right? All Mm -hmm. the way, all the way to firing you just because they can, Mm -hmm. because they can, right? Because they have the power. And there's very little that you can do about it. And being powerless is so uncomfortable and humiliating and defeats you. But that's exactly how they want us to feel. So they use their power to hurt us, to cut us down to size, to demonize us, and to gaslight us. So when I think about how do we take the power back, I think it absolutely starts within. Like this is an inside job. This is where we need to prioritize ourselves and find that inner peace and that self-love so that we can make decisions from a place of groundedness versus from a highly emotional state, right? Because sometimes, and like Crystal said, the reality is you may not belong there. Sometimes we find ourselves in jobs that we're either mentally checked out of or that are just genuinely not aligned with who we are and our personal core values. So every day we're just going through the motions and it's like being in a relationship with someone that you don't love anymore. You just stay because it's familiar. And I know that sometimes it's easier said than done. And I would never say just quit the job you hate, right? But you do have to do what's best for your well-being. And if your job or your boss makes you miserable, 
right? If you're crying every day and you're stressed out and you're losing your hair and you're gaining weight and all this stuff is happening and you're working so much that you're missing out on your life, then it's not the job for you. So make strategic moves. And that's where the power is because we can't change people. So if someone is wielding their power over you, I think it's a futile endeavor to fight fire with fire. And I've seen it so many times and I've seen people fall on their faces so many times. So we have to focus on what we can control and what we can change. Because if you try to force yourself to either fit into a box or conversely, to try to force yourself onto others and make them accept you, neither is sustainable. Rarely are they effective. And both of both. Both of them are going to make you and leave you feeling depleted. And there is no power in feeling depleted. Something that you said, I think, is something that continues to come up. And it's really around response. Mm -hmm. And we talked about it during the month um, that we talked about psychological safety. Uh, We talked about it during um, the month where we talked about assimilation is in how we respond. And if we respond in a highly emotional state, then that's what people are going to focus on. Mm -hmm. So instead of them focusing on what was done to you to make you react in that way. So they're no longer focusing on the person who did the bad thing, but now they're focused on your behavior. Mm -hmm. So I love the approach of considering what you can do strategically Mm -hmm. um, to navigate these types of situations. Absolutely. And I have really enjoyed this conversation with you. I don't want to speak for Krista, but I feel like I do. (laughs) It was okay. It was all right. So where can our listeners find you online, Eva? Yeah, so I'm not as active as I should be, but you can definitely find me on Instagram and LinkedIn at It's Eva Rodriguez. And my website is a little bit easier. It's www.eva.fit. Fantastic. And we need to talk about this emotional eating situation. Okay, I got you. <laughs> I'm probably eating too many snacks over here. Wait, is emotional eating when you are sad and then you eat and you're like, food is my friend. Food makes me happy. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> is it, it is. Isn't it more of like a friendship, like a relationship no. with food? No. <laughs> and can it be healthy? No. <laughs> Not unless you're eating celery. I right. think maybe it might work out. Unless you're eating celery, but none of us go to celery when we're sad. We go to ice cream. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love ice cream. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the We Are Meaningful podcast. Follow us on Instagram at wearemeaningful.co and visit our website to learn more about our community and how you can get involved. We're excited to hear your thoughts on today's episode. Talk to you next week.